This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast where if it's your birthday, you can make it all about you. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Yep, you say it's your birthday. Well, it's my birthday, too. Happy birthday to you and to me because it's my birthday. Hey, welcome, folks. Did you know it's my birthday? Uh, <laughs> Thanks for checking out the podcast. Uh, you can check out old episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just look up there it is. Pod. L- listen, um, you've found the podcast. You probably know how to find other ones. You can go to thereitispod.com and you can read up on old episodes and just some other tidbits and whatnot. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at there it is pod. And today's episode, it's the birthday episode. Uh, It's B-Day week. It started out great. Justina and I got to see a fun show the other day. It was the last Great Times with Corey and Kevin at Three of Cups. Great Times with Corey and Kevin has been going on for four years. Corey, episode two guest, Corey Kevin, and uh, he and Kevin James Doyle have been doing this show for a few years I think they're still going to keep doing their uh, benefit show that they do at the Bowery, but the one that's at Three of Cups is ending. And I have been hearing about that show for years and years because Corey and I are connected on Facebook. And so he would always send me the invites, but I was living in South Carolina, so I was like, "Ah, I can't go, I can't go. So when I moved up here, I was like, yes, I can finally go to these shows. And we've been to two, and the second one was the last one. Because I'm a bad friend, but also there's a lot to do in New York. So it's just kind of like, I didn't know the show was ending. <laughs> that happens to me all the time where I'm like, there'll be plenty of time to go see that show. And then, the, like, some friends of mine in college, they had a band and uh, they were called Joe 747. And they had a show coming up. And my friend Joey was like, oh, we have a show coming up. You should go. And I was like, I hope it's not October 17th or whatever date it was, uh, because that's the day I'm going to see you too. And <laughs> in concert, and he's like, it actually is that show. But don't worry, it's not like it's our last show. And then time comes, and it turns out to be their last show, so I missed it. <laughs> but it was their last show was that name. They went on to be Emery. Uh, and, of course, uh, previous guest, Toby Morell, lead singer of Emery. So I didn't technically miss the last show. Anyway, the show the other night, the last great time show, fun show, Ryan Hamilton and Emmy Blotnick performed. Really excited to see Emmy Blotnick because I had a similar experience with her that I had with Great Times where I was connected on Facebook, really loved her work that I saw online and uh, stuff that she she used to work at late night uh, with Jimmy Fallon uh, on the blogs. And um, she would would post that she had a show, and I could never see it because it was in New York. Finally got to see her, so it was nice to have that uh, connection there. Uh, lots of hilarious people were on that show. Jim Gaffigan 
was a surprise guest, and he, of course, crushed it. He's just an amazing, um, an amazing comic, as you know. And um, there was something that happened, like somebody had walked in randomly, <laughs> and his phone went off, and it was like MapQuest or something. And he like Jim Gaffigan just like handled it like a pro, and was just like, "What? What is going on? Is that MapQuest?" And guy was like, "I'm lost. I'm not supposed to be here." And uh, you know, it was like a fun moment. And uh, Jim Gaffigan just handled it like a pro, and then just like effortlessly just went back into his material. It was like, "Oh well, we're all lost." Speaking of lost, and then he just finished the joke he was on uh, because it had to do with like being lost. It was just perfect timing, but you know. I feel like I so many times on stage had something random happen in the audience and it just threw me off and I didn't get a laugh after that. So seeing pros do their thing is uh, always a good learning lesson. Uh, We'll be back to normal interview episodes next week. But today's episode is a little chitty chat one. Uh, You know, when it's your birthday at the beginning of a year, you tend to not only reflect on your life, at this new age, but also the new year and what it may hold. So I've done a lot of reflecting over the last 10 days and just thinking about uh, all sorts of stuff. And there was like this, uh, I had this thought last week about some things in the national discussion and in the comedy world. There was some overlap with it. A couple of things that came out and I, I felt a lot of People talking in the national discussion in these things, even on like The View and and different shows, they had hot takes on them. Well, I hate hot takes. To me, they're just knee-jerk reactions given a different name. That's all a hot take is, is a knee-jerk reaction. We've just, people have just like rebranded a knee-jerk reaction to not sound as bad and sound fun and cool. Hot take. Got a hot take. Hot take. Such and such. It's just a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, Not much thought was put into it. Many think pieces and threads on Twitter are just hot takes that aren't tested. I don't like it. They're they're written like essays you waited until the last minute to write in high school. No real thought put into it. You just went with the first thought you had because you had to write this essay. And then you looked for anything that backed up what you thought, and you turned it in. Fine with the C you know you're going to get on it. People have just gotten really good at writing those high school essays. It's, it's not that they've put more thought into it and that they're really good. No, they're still, like, garbage. <laughs> they're still, like, complete garbage pieces. But they look like and they sound like they're really smart and intellectual and it's garbage i like an example i would give was something that happened last year uh john mayer had tweeted not he didn't at her but he just tweeted i don't maybe he added her but i don't think he did he said i i spend uh a lot of time wondering if Nicki minaj would like me or not so just like a benign comment just a cutesy little comment. And then she responded to that and said, yeah, I may have talked about this on the show before, but she said, would you say my body is a wonderland? And then somebody uh, like a week later, so that's a very benign interaction between two celebrities, but somebody tweeted a week later, 
I wasn't going to talk about this John Mayer, Nicki Minaj thing, but here goes. Thread. Uh, and pretty much whenever I see thread in all caps, I cringe and I don't want to read it. <laughs> I don't know why people have to yell thread. Like it's uh, they're so important. Here's my thread. Uh, no one needs it. Thread. No, no one. Why are you yelling thread at me? <laughs> I don't need that. But this person went through uh, like the history of how racist white men treated black women. And the stuff that she was saying, you read through it and you're like, well, that's all true and logical and factual. Um, why the hell are you applying it in this situation when it's just a celebrity talking to another celebrity and they had this really innocent interaction? Like, what are you talking about exactly? Um, so I don't know. You know, like people will then point out like, well, he said this racist thing one time. Yeah, he also apologized for it because he was trying to make a joke and it was a dumb and sensitive joke and he clearly did the work to realize that, which is something that people don't give enough credit to when somebody, and this isn't just celebrities, but just people, when someone has clearly grown and they did something that hurt you, they, they at some point realized, yeah, that was wrong. And here's why it was wrong. And here's why it was a problem. We don't ever want to give those people credit. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Now, everyone wants to forgive Chris Brown because he wrote a hot new song. And he has clearly not grown. Uh, I mean, he's not beating people up every day. But, like, not too long after he beat up Rihanna, he beat up Frank Ocean. And then he like went to Good Morning America and he trashed the studio when they asked him about his behavior. And it's like, this guy isn't growing. People write him off. But anyone who's grown, it's like, let's just trash him. And I, I just don't get that. Like, why are we writing these threads? Why are we writing these think pieces about things that really don't matter because it's an interaction between a couple of celebrities. I don't know them. It's none of my business. But why are we talking about this stuff the way we do without putting more thought into it? And I didn't want to do that with the discussion that came up last week. I wanted to let my thoughts develop a little more. Even if my opinion is the same, I'll have... Uh, at least I'll have a more thoughtful articulation of my opinion if I wait. So what am I talking about? There is something uh, I saw in the comedy world. Dave Chappelle, I have, haven't seen it, but he has a couple of new specials on Netflix. And I, I, there's been some pushback about things he said in it. I'm surprised at how many bad takes there are on comedy from people in comedy. Even people I admire and look up to in comedy will have a take where it's like, how are you not realizing what's really happening in this situation? It doesn't make me dislike the person, but it just confuses me. I heard someone say, a comic, someone who works in comedy, someone who works in entertainment, about Dave Chappelle's new special, he said, screw Dave Chappelle's opinion. Now, I, I'm not going to get into a discussion about what he was talking about and what my thoughts are on it because that's a separate discussion and not really the point I'm on. What I'm talking about is saying it's his opinion. 
Okay, here's the thing. Is he giving his opinion or is he doing a bit? It is a comedy special after all. It's not a dissertation. It's not a think piece. It's not a thread. It's a comedy act. My understanding is that most comics, especially ones from Dave Chappelle's generation, are just doing bits. I don't understand why people, especially anyone in comedy, I will, will stress that, assume jokes are making a point. Or I say I don't understand it, but I think we know why people think that a joke is just voicing an opinion. is because people have, especially lately, used comedy as just a platform to advocate for something, to voice their opinion, to get people to clap for them uh, in some cases. And it's not really about, about the comedy. But not all comedy is trying to make a point. I would say most comedy, I would say from before The Daily Show, was not making a point or sharing an opinion. But I don't even think The Daily Show writers and Jon Stewart were trying to make a point or sway your opinion a lot of the time. I think they were writing jokes. I think they were writing jokes from a perspective and people learned the wrong lesson from it, but they were writing jokes. People watched The Daily Show, they watched Colbert Rapport, and, it, and they agreed with the perspective in which the writers had, and they're seeing this big platform and that it changed people's minds, so the wrong lesson they learned from it was, well, I'm gonna do that with my comedy, but I don't think you can approach it that way. Maybe you can, I don't know, but I just think they were writing jokes and we learned the wrong lesson from it. So many comics are simply just taking a premise or idea to comedic heights. They're not expressing their everyday behavior or opinion. They just thought of a joke a year ago and you're hearing it now in their special. Comedy specials are the worst place to get a comic's opinion. Why? Because comics lie all the time on stage in their acts. It's, <laughs> they didn't just talk about, oh, I just saw this yesterday. No, they didn't. They saw it ages ago when they wrote the joke. Oh, somebody said to me the other day, oh, I was at Thanksgiving the other, it happened years ago. But they're saying it like it just happened. Because they're lying. Why? So they can do a bit. So you can set up something for a bit. They're making jokes. And people want them to be bastions of knowledge and wisdom. But listen, that's a problem. They're making jokes. That's not the job of a comedian to be a bastion of knowledge and wisdom. Yes, there is wisdom that you can gain from seeing comedy sometimes, but that's not a comedian's job. All good comics are just trying to make jokes, even the thought-provoking comics. Even the ones who are saying the emperor has no clothes, they're just making jokes. They may slip some truth in there to provoke your thought, but they're absolutely using it as a setup for a joke. So it's not really the best place to get opinions or to get a bead on what they actually believe or think. So it, oh, here's an example. So Chris Rock, he had some jokes about the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake thing that happened at the Super Bowl. He had some jokes uh, where he was saying, oh, that shouldn't have, they shouldn't have done it. 
I think what he said was something to the effect of nobody wants to see that old ass titty now <laughs> or, or 40 year old titty. Or I don't know, something graphic and vulgar like that that he wouldn't be able to like say now without people uh, writing a thread about it on Twitter. But his jokes were basically saying they should not have done the stunt. After that special, Chris Rock did an interview where he said he had jokes that went the other way. Jokes where he was saying he was glad it happened. But those jokes didn't do as well when he was developing material as the ones saying she shouldn't have done it. So he didn't include them in the special. He did two sets of jokes on the same topic, but with different angles or opinions or perspectives. In other words, he wrote jokes using opposing opinions and the deciding factor on what he would have in his special was which ones got the bigger laugh, not which ones reflected his opinion, but the ones that got the bigger laugh when he worked them. A comics act is the worst place to get their opinion. Which reminds me of a scene from Judd Apatow's Funny People where Adam Sandler's character was saying, I think it's in the th theatrical version of uh, the movie, where uh, George, Adam Sandler's character, was saying, comics lie. They lie all the time. Jerry Seinfeld knows where that sock is. And uh, Judd Apatow was talking about that in an episode, I think, of WTF. It may have been a different podcast. But he was saying something about that scene. And uh, it was just an interesting perspective and I was kind of glad that somebody was saying especially someone of Judd Apatow's stature was saying it public I was glad it was in the movie but the point is comics aren't trying to tell you the truth with their jokes not necessarily right like they're really just trying to make jokes it's gonna have to have some truth in them for it to connect with people but you know, essentially, they're just trying to come up with a perspective that is that truly is represented for the joke to land. Right. Like if they're making a comment about what it's like to ride an airplane, they can't make up stuff. That's where the truth has to be. They have to say something that is truthful so that it, everyone can relate to it. But other than that, they're not really trying to say, like, this is literally my opinion. This is that's the part that's a lie. That's a part that's not the truth because they're just making jokes. People, <laughs> they're just they're just making jokes. They're just trying to get a laugh. And that's why you can't pin comics to their opinions expressed in their jokes. They are merely making jokes based on a thought that came to mind. Any thought that came to mind. They have a thought come to mind. They hear somebody say something. They may say, I said it. They may say this other guy said it when it was really them that said it. They, it that, that happens all the time. And it's just something that came to mind. They develop material around it. And that doesn't mean that if someone says or does something that causes damage, that we can't call that out. Any piece of art can do damage. When that damage is done to undeserving people, then it doesn't sit well with most of us. So we call that out. But you have to know the difference. I mean, there's, there's a quote that Lorne Michael said about people being offended by SNL sketches. And he said, sometimes people need to be offended. In other words, 
in, other, in order for them to reflect on something and to really learn something, then they just need to be offended. You know, like if it's the truth, right? If, if your joke is basically pointing to this is how people should behave and yet people are behaving a wrong way and someone who behaves the wrong way is offended, well, that person needs to be offended because they're not acting the right way. It's like, uh, I'll just use another Chris Rock bit, when he would say people want credit for <laughs> things they should do. Like, I, I take care of my kids. Well, you should. <laughs> well, you want a cookie? If someone was offended by that, they probably should be. Because, you know, were you going around wanting credit for taking care of the kids you brought into the world? You don't get credit for that. You should be offended. Just take care of your kids. I don't think people, I guess, I, I think people confuse two things in the subject within comedy. One is thinking that comedy is about pushing thoughts and theories. So often it's not. The second is confusing disagreeing with a point of view with causing damage. You may have your point of view and the joke may work from a different point of view, but that doesn't mean damage is being done. It's possible you just aren't very good at hearing opposing views. I, I feel like I see that a lot. Like when people are talking about like oh, political correctness, that's it's not political correctness. It's two people with different opposing views. Neither view is wrong. It's just they're, they have opposing views. And they can't handle having to hear someone else with an opposing view. So they criticize it. And that happens from everybody. You know, that's, it's not like just liberals doing that. Like I'm sure somebody wants to say. Some seem to think that you shouldn't refer to serious or touchy subjects in comedy either. That's a trickier subject. But serious subjects can be talked about. It's just how they are talked about that can be the issue. Talking about race doesn't cause damage. Being a jerk to a specific race of people, that causes damage. People don't seem to know the difference or they are just uncomfortable with the subject so they don't think anyone should talk about it. That's not really fair to artists, though. Artists should be able to explore topics involving human behavior or the human condition, even though you may not want to have that discussion. You may be uncomfortable with that discussion, but that doesn't mean other people who are being thoughtful and careful can't have that discussion. I just don't really know what people are expecting from art especially when it comes to comedy. I personally want truth in depiction. Depict people, places, things, events for what they truly are, whether it's as small as getting on an airplane or a particular group of people in the way they think. Depict them honestly. Depict them in such a way where they would get it and know, well, I can't argue with that depiction. Not doing so, not depicting people accurately or things accurately. That is what's offensive to me. Some people, I believe, really just want their truth depicted. They want their point of view depicted as the hero's perspective. They want their opinions expressed. 
that's not how art should work, is it? If it isn't showing the whole picture, isn't that not showing the whole truth? That's what's not truth. Showing some one-sided, intellectually dishonest opinion or, or perspective. Some depiction that's not really how things go in reality or things are in reality. That's not truth in work. Speaking of people getting offended, here's something else that was a big controversy last week. The YouTube vlogger, Logan Paul, <laughs> who I don't follow. I don't follow vloggers at all. But I had heard of Logan Paul before because he got in some trouble for, I don't know, making fun of somebody. Some people came out and said, like, oh, he's harassing us. He's a big bully. Uh, Logan Paul, I know very little about um, my hot take on him. No, he reminds me of a guy who's like popular in high school, uh, but was like a C student or something. Uh, <laughs> this time he got in trouble because he went to a forest in Japan that was dubbed the Suicide Forest. He wanted to shoot, according to him, he wanted to shoot a video of just some camping in this haunted forest. And uh, as they were filming, they came across a body of someone who had committed suicide and, and hung themselves. And people don't feel that Logan Paul and the other people in the video with him had the right reaction. They showed the body in the video. They blurred the face, but they showed his body a lot. Uh, they cut a joke or two, and they stood around and just sort of commented on the whole situation. Some of those comments were about calling someone if you're having suicidal thoughts. But wouldn't the right thing to do be turning off the cameras and showing respect to the deceased and his family by not putting that part in the video maybe too? I'm sure the argument is that the point of vlogs is to genuinely depict their, their day in the moment. But can't you do that without showing the body and cracking jokes? Why couldn't they go back to the entrance of the forest and say what they saw? Say what it made them feel. Make a plea that people call the suicide lifeline or talk to someone that they trust if they need help. He issued an apology, but he was mostly talking about all the videos he's done and all the views and likes he's gotten and just said they got it wrong, but he also seems like a very self-important moron. There were more complaints about the trip when video of him running around Japan being obnoxious surfaced. He wasn't respectful to the people or the culture of Japan. He's just a jackass. That's all he's about. It made me think of Conan O'Brien's trips abroad, not because Conan has done anything inappropriate there, he does a great job with his videos when he, or not videos, but specials, when he goes to other countries and uh, and other cultures, and he immerses himself in it, in the other culture. But um, he he makes himself the butt of the jokes. He doesn't go to other cultures and point out how weird they are. He sort of 
really shows a true depiction, an accurate depiction of the culture and points out how he is a dumbass <laughs> who's sticking out like a sore thumb. So the joke is on himself. That's a great approach. And he makes it look so easy to do. And he's talked a little bit about how when he went to Cuba, he wanted to be respectful of them. And what he highlighted was just how ridiculous he looks there. It's not that the place is ridiculous, that he is the ridiculous one. Um, and that's great. That's a really good approach. And this is, illustrates my point about the difference between causing damage and not causing damage. It can be a really sensitive subject for someone, especially an American white male, to go to another culture and immerse themselves in it. If your focus is to truthfully depict the culture, then you're on the right track. If you aren't focusing on that at all, then you are sure to get laughs at the expense of undeserving people. This whole topic of offending people with comedy is a sensitive subject in itself. It seems very easy to offend people now. Whether that is true or not, whether you think that or not, I think it just seems that way because we have social media. We hear everyone's opinion all of the time. But a few people have really bad takes. Some of the threads you see on Twitter, you know, like they come off like the humorless goody two shoes from school who always had to say something to the teacher when you're just having fun in the back of the class, minding your own business, not disrupting anyone. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, but I think it's I think it's great that people who have been the butt of jokes for too long now have advocates. But I really want to stress the importance of having a good take, putting a thought process into something before you say something. One of my favorite quotes was something about uh, George Clooney talking about why he doesn't have Twitter. And a few years ago, Joe Paterno was trending. And um, I guess uh, Ashton Kutcher saw that. And he just saw that people were bashing Joe Paterno, but he didn't immediately know why. So he said, hey, why are we bashing Joe Paterno? He's got a, an illustrious career. He's a legendary coach and da-da-da. And then later he found out that it was because of the scandal that was there and that Joe Paterno knew about some things and didn't do enough to protect the kids around. And um, George Clooney was saying, you know, like you can – easily do something like that on Twitter. You know, you have a few drinks, you fire off something before you go to bed and you wake up the next morning and you've got all this hell to pay. But he mentioned that Ashton Kutcher Twitch, uh, <laughs> that Ashton, Ashton Kutcher tweet. You know, that's a harder word to say or names to say together. Um, th but he mentioned that Ashton Kutcher tweet and said, 15 minutes in a thought process and you don't send that tweet. I kind of wish people would put a little bit more of a thought process before they fired off their tweets. It's just, to me, an appropriate way <laughs> to go about things. Because there are a heap of bad takes being shared. And they aren't our allies. So many people who are claiming to be allies and they're saying all the right things, they really just want tweets. The writers of bad takes are in it for themselves. They want likes, they want retweets, they want views, so they can build a fan base. Screw those people. 
listen to the people who depict opposing views or cultures and people different from theirs with truth and respect. Listen less to the people who just want to throw sticks and stones and lob bombs. At the end of every year, now at least, we hear people say, good riddance, this year sucked. I heard it a lot at the end of 2017. I think a big reason for that is because of how tumultuous the national discussion was in 2017. That was a big part of it. It's not all of it, but it's a big part of it. But 2018 isn't going to be any better until we check ourselves and realize how much our behavior was a problem and not the year. I don't know exactly how tuning out the noise will look for me this year. It may mean getting off Twitter, but what I most want to do is try to make people laugh, even if they aren't exactly like me. When I was in school, I realized that I wouldn't get in trouble for joking around if I made the teacher laugh. Otherwise, I was just disrupting the class. <laughs> but getting the teacher to laugh worked. Teachers liked me because my interaction was with them and not just the class, you know, not just my buddy next to me. Because then it just seems like you're like a bad kid just getting in, doesn't care about the class, wants to interrupt things. That works in comedy too, this theory. If you're a liberal doing political humor, find a way to express yourself that makes the people who don't think like you laugh. Same goes if you're a cons conservative or whatever your political opinions or whatever your point of view is. If you have material that's kind of making people who are not like you the butt of a joke, then do it in a way that makes them laugh. You can be true to who you are while also getting them to laugh. It can be done. And I think that's when people's opinions change, actually. So you have to be earnest about it. If you actually are wanting to go into comedy because you learned the wrong lesson from The Daily Show. Daily Show is a great show. But people, as I'm just going to say again, people learn the wrong lesson from it. So if you got into comedy to advocate, not to make people laugh, but to advocate, if you want to do that well, it starts with earnestly trying to get the laugh. And to earnestly get the laugh, you have to truthfully depict people. Late takes, guys. Late takes. <laughs> Everyone has their hot takes. I got late takes. Uh, here's a little thing I want to end with just about talent. Um, that's something else I was reflecting on the end of last year and, and this week. And I was watching Bob Ross this morning on Netflix, as I love to do. And he was talking about getting letters from viewers. He said some people are writing him and telling him that like their fourth grade art teacher told them they didn't have any talent. And so they just went until adulthood, not thinking they could ever paint. And then Bob Ross came along and he inspired them to try and they started painting. They started make, actually making stuff. And that made me think, you know, some people have natural talent, but you can learn any skill. It just takes practice. That's what his talking about that made me think. It's like, yeah, of course a person can 
paint just because they don't have natural talent doesn't mean that they will never be able to paint. It just is a matter of teaching it and learning it. That teacher was pretty bad to say like, ah, oh, you don't have any talent and just leave it at that. I was like, well, you're teaching it. <laughs> like, like just show them the skills and get them to practice it and they'll do it. Like, what are you talking about? It was a nice reminder because a whole lot of people will tell you that you can't do something if you don't have natural talent. I generally believe that the famous people who inspire us to get into comedy or entertainment, whatever it is that we are inspired to do, I, I genuine, genuinely and generally believe that those famous people have natural talent that they practiced at. But for one, uh, that shouldn't keep you from taking up the hobby or learning something. And secondly, there are famous people who claim that they didn't have any talent. Steve Martin says it in his master class. He says when he started, he didn't have any natural talent for comedy. He just worked at it and learned it. Now, I think he's being a bit modest, but what do I know? I don't know the guy. I'd love to meet him. But the point is, he wasn't what he became after practice at the beginning, which is an obvious statement. Of course, you're not. <laughs> of course, you don't start out as, as good as you do later, but the point is that practice is what's important. No matter how natural your talents or gifts are and how natural the skills come to you, it's the practice that matters. Many people put success all on the shoulders of luck. Were you lucky enough to have natural talent? Were you lucky enough to meet this person or that person? But honestly, you have to be good first. You have to work hard. You have to hone your skill until you're up to a certain standard. And luck will get you in connection with people who can hire you or buy what you're selling. If you don't work hard, your skills probably won't be up to a certain standard. <laughs> And if your skills aren't up to snuff and you meet someone by chance and luck who can hire you, then you won't impress them enough to hire you. You need all of those parts to have a long-lasting shelf life. I tweeted from the at there it is pod Twitter account, follow us. Luck only gets you through the door. It doesn't keep you in the room. Hard work and talent sustains a career. What I'm referring to are comments about how lucky someone who has been in the entertainment industry for 30 years is. You can't be famous in the business for 30 years based on luck alone. You have to capture and hold people's attention to be around that long. You can only do that by being good enough at capturing people's attention and holding it. Luck relates to flashes in the pan. Not people with long careers. <laughs> Luck was on Jonah Hill's side when he bumped into Seth Rogen in a movie theater, which led Seth Rogen to tell Judd Apatow about him, and apparently that's how they met. They were at uh, one of the Wes Anderson movies, I think, and uh, Jonah Hill was sitting behind Seth Rogen, and he just leaned forward and said, hey, I love you on Freaks and Geeks. Um, or one like it was one of those early shows, so it was... Not when Seth Rogen was super famous. 
And they got to talking, and Seth Rogen thought Jonah Hill was interesting, and he went to Judd Apatow, and he said, this kid's interesting, you should look into him. And they brought him in, and he auditioned, and they put him in 40-Year-Old Virgin. And Judd Apatow has said publicly that in that scene that Jonah Hill is in, which is, he's just an extra. You would have to rewatch the movie to remember that it's him. But it's that scene where Steve Carell's character goes over to, we sell it on eBay, uh, that Catherine Keener is <laughs> running. And uh, uh, Jonah Hill's the guy who walks up with the boots and is saying, like, I want to buy these. And that scene is improvised. And Judd Apatow was saying he had some basic lines to tell. But just as a gag to scare Jonah Hill, they started making him improvise a bunch. It was just to, like, goof on Jonah Hill. But he didn't get scared. And then he just had these lines that just crushed when they tested the movie. They were going to cut the part out, but or, like, most of, of the back and forth with Jonah Hill. But it tested so well that they kept it in. Luck played one part. It was Jonah Hill meeting Seth Rogen. If he wasn't good or interesting, Seth Rogen still would have met Jonah Hill, but he would not have told Judd Apatow about him. Even if he did, on the set that day, having to improvise, if Jonah Hill's not good, he doesn't test well, and if without that moment, he doesn't have the rest of the career that he has. Talent is what kept him around Judd Apatow and Seth Rogen. Luck did none of that. Jonah Hill's just good, and he's worked hard, and he's gotten better because he's worked hard. Luck does not make you better. Hard work does. It goes back to Conan O'Brien's quote, my all-time favorite quote, if you work hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen. Well, folks, that's today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to me meander for this long. <laughs> Did not think I would, but it was fun. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to hear more, as I mentioned, they're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can read up on them on the website, thereitispod.com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at thereitispod, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jason Far Jokes. But again, Twitter is awful. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let's be better in 2018. Until next time, folks. Be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. <laughs> <laughs>